Welcome back, everyone, to the Enneagram Journey podcast with Suzanne Stabile and episode 49. I say that every episode is special for one reason or another. This episode is special for two reasons. One, it is an Enneagram 9 with an 8 wing. And then two, it is Suzanne's other daughter, Jenny McNulty. Things that come from this podcast are why Jenny's co-workers would read what a 9 is and not think that she was a 9. She has a great Batman and Robin analogy for her nineness with her eight wing tendencies. And we get to talk about her dating past, which is always fun for me. Jenny, it's a joy for me for us to get to talk today because we don't get to talk often enough and we're often problem solving when we talk or supporting each other. And we're so alike, but we're so different. So that should make this conversation pretty great. So, uh, as a nine, what's the hardest thing you've done today? Prioritized what I need to do at work and then actually get it done. And then drive an hour so you could talk to me. That's kind of the easy part because it's already my plan. It's just getting that plan together. Yeah? Yeah. Do you think the easy part of planning for you comes with what has your heart? Absolutely. Planning and prioritizing is does not come easy anyways, but luckily I'm in a job that I really like Yeah, um, that placed my strengths. So a lot of what I do need to do in a day um, revolves around something I want to do, so it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. I wonder how that's different for different numbers. I, I've thought about that very much. In fact, I don't think I've ever thought about prioritizing based on what you want to do or the things that you like to do. I feel like people just kind of have a priority list and they get through it, right? You have a priority list. Yes, I do. (laughs) So if you break it down for me, I enjoy very much what I do at work. So I work with um, students who have any kind of academic, medical, behavioral issues, and I help them get together a game plan. I help with their diagnosis and breaking that down and what that means at school. And so it's a lot of really great things that I get to do. Now, that's easy planning and prioritizing, but you put me at home where I've got to cook dinner and do laundry and work on homework with the kids or whatever that looks like or pick up the house, it's much more difficult to prioritize and plan out and follow through. Does that make sense? Sure it does. How much of that do you think has to do with limited energy? Um, I think limited energy is very real. I mean, the struggle is real. I think a part of that also is just what you want to do and what you don't. So um, I would like to say that on the weekends when I'm rested up, I can be a lot more productive and get a lot more done than I could in the evening when I get home from work. But uh, honestly, that's not the case. Do you think that part of that has to do with how easily distracted nines are? You know, like one of the one. Well, here are two things that I say when I'm teaching. One is that nines give most of their energy at work. And that's across the board. You know, parents with kids at home, parents not with kids at home. Like, it doesn't matter what the criteria around that is. Nines give most of their energy at work. Sure. And secondly, that um, it, it seems to have to do also with distraction. It takes a lot of discipline, self-discipline, to really get done what needs to be done when you don't want to do it. Um, so in thinking about that, I can break it down to (laughs) tasks at home 
where for some reason the laundry always gets done. So my kids and my husband and I, we, the laundry is done and I do that and that's not a hardship. Um, I got to tell you, the bane of my existence probably is dinner. Dinner, it seems to, it's that task initiation of, do I really need to initiate doing dinner? What is it? I don't, do I have the energy left for it? It's the end of the day. So I would say if I had to break down just your everyday tasks, the easiest to do would be laundry, and the most difficult would be dinner. Not even meals, dinner. So when you go to three in security, and you're doing laundry and dressing the kids, and uh, we don't believe in assigning numbers to children, but everybody who hears me teach knows that I think Noah might be a one. And then you got these two little girls who love to get all dressed up and all that. So there's no pushback then when in nine you go to three and it has to do with how we look and whether or not we're presentable because you happen to have three kids who are falling right in line with that all being a, 100%. a good thing. And in my experience of parenting you and being with you all of your life, being at at dinner... Uh, sharing a meal is important to you, but what it is doesn't matter much. At all. So there's not external stuff in there that would motivate you to want to do that, and you have limited energy. So a question I have based on what you said that I I don't think I've ever asked before is, does self-discipline give you energy, or does it just suck more energy out of you? Oh, Mom, it sucks more energy. So... I had thought about this before in the past. Like, are there different silos for emotional energy and physical energy and mental energy? And there aren't. So for me, and I would imagine for most nines, there's just one energy silo and everything comes out of that. So it's not like a five where you can just, um, it depletes and then you start over the next day, right? So um, I think... I think about my energy levels all the time, even to the point where it's subconscious, to make sure that I can get through the day or to meet the the needs of those who are most important to me, which would be my husband and kids, right? Yep. So um, anything would deplete energy. So if, you know, being a nine want to avoid conflict and confrontation. Now, I'm a nine with an eight wing, so I'm much less averse to avoiding conflict, and I'm willing to deal with what needs to come, especially in the workplace. But it's still going to deplete my energy. It's not, I don't get any kind of energy from it. So if I um, have to work with some teachers, perhaps at, at school, that really kind of need some help working around things, and it's going to take a lot of my energy, and it might avoid a little bit of confrontation, um, and I'm willing to do that, and I'm not averse to it, but it's still going to take the same toll on right, me. Right, right. It just occurred to me that it sounds like you're saying those lucky fives, they have a limited amount of energy every day, but they get the same amount again the next morning. For the first time ever, it just dawned on me that you just get tireder and tireder and tireder. That's exactly right. Wow. I, can you believe I've never thought of that? Well... I hope, I mean, I think about it all the time and it is kind of, I don't want to say resentful, but almost envious. And I can remember a couple years ago, we were working on Enneagram work and I stepped away from the statement that I had made or the conversation that we had had because I was clearly resentful in my, 
I'm a working mom. I've got three kids. I'm in grad school full time. I've got a job that's pretty demanding and I don't get to be myself. How dare I not get to withdraw and pull away and do my nine stuff. And so I think it was kind of almost like a verbal pity party in a way of, I don't, I don't get to be me. All the rest of you get to be you and I don't get to be me. Yep. And so I did a lot of work over probably the next year on that conversation that we had because truth is it makes me a better person, right? So I am. Yeah, but you know, some days, some days you're just not into, oh, I think I'll do this because it'll make me a better person. Some days I just want to be my good old person, right? Like sure, comfortable, not, not trying to do a thing, just, and I, I, I also think the fact that you're an introvert has a lot to do with, um, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm in this family with three nines, all of whom I love deeply, but you're all three introverts. And I think not speaking up costs you in a family as big as ours. And we don't even know that you're being self-sacrificing. So here's my question that I've been thinking about for a while. Can you think of an extroverted nine that you know of? We were just talking with Knox McCoy, who instead of looking at it as an introvert-extrovert situation, uh, mom looked at the subtype of it and said social five. And they talked about that for a little bit. We don't need to jump into subtypes, but that's just another way of do, you know, a social nine. So thank you. What's interesting about that is I was also thinking about this a lot lately because I can't think of an extroverted nine. And I'm wondering if, based on if you are more social or not, on top of your stance of being withdrawn, I think perhaps what looks as introverted may not really be. It may go back to that energy level of you just have been conditioned or I've been conditioned my entire life to measure out my energy and what I can and can't do. And because everything depletes it in a way, you know when to withdraw. So you know when to pull back from social situations or family situations or when to exert yourself and when to not. That's just crazy because I can't think of an extroverted nine. I can't either. Now, I think introverted and extroverted. We're open up the phone lines for all the extroverted nines to call in. There you go. Right. It'd and, be and interesting. it might be social nines, and in which case I bet they still withdraw. And I don't know if I had to label myself today if I'd be, if I would say I was introverted. Um, I definitely am not extroverted, but the withdrawing stance of a nine is, is a big deal. Yeah. I would just be curious. I'd be curious um, to what an extroverted nine looks like because I know dad is, um, he's more social than I am, mm -hmm. but we still are pretty similar in terms of our boundaries around social activities and things like that. So I'm just... Well, and you both go to three when you're secure, which means you both go to three at work. So that's an interesting piece too. Would do people misread you because you take on some of that three energy when you're feeling secure and you're I think that my coworkers and close friends would be shocked if they read what a nine is, uh -huh. and they would not attribute it to me. I right. think I'd be shocked. Right. And I think they would identify or label me more with eight um, characteristics than with nine. Okay. So that takes me someplace else. So I, I want to ask you several questions about you being a nine with an eight wing. Okay. Uh, first, I want you just to talk about that 
I'm headed to a place that you just brought up about people misreading that. And um, I, I, I want to talk about your commitment to justice when we get to that. Okay. So let's start with you just talking about being a nine with an eight wing. Because, you know, I tell everybody in the world that that's a problem to be a nine with an eight wing. It does feel like a tricky place to be. And now that I am an adult facing just how tricky it is in day-to-day life. So I think um, when I look at being a kid, especially in our family, where um, as ter- in terms of siblings, I was in between two aggressive numbers. Yep. So um, I think it was very easy to be laid back and to just go with the flow and because others made decisions that I was fine with following along with. Yeah. And so I don't think as a kid I could have really pinpointed where I had really that eight wing. But... I can jump in and help with that. Okay. <laughs> Recreationally, whenever we do family games or something, uh, competitive and family games. I've got two family game nights when we were young adults, but even younger. Uh, Joey and I were always on separate teams because we couldn't be on the same team or else. It was awful. It was over. It wasn't awful. It was just over. You know, it was it, awful it for some of us. It for the rest of the players. And uh, our, and then with us being on separate teams, both competitive, the only aggressive numbers in the house, when it would come to a climax at the end and stop, that's when you're, you'd, be, you'd be more upset. She and I would not be upset. You were upset. You were the loudest one at the very end. You were pissed that the game was over, that it ended however it ended, because it never ended with a team winning and a team losing. There was always controversy, and you always came out against the... Whoever lost came up with controversy, and then you always came out and were louder with, no, this is what happened. And this and then, I do get pretty competitive. Yeah, and then when that would happen, because it doesn't come out all the time... I would always, I remember this, and I'm so sorry. I'd always look at her and be like, look at her, so cute, getting all riled up. Calm down, Jenny. It's just a game. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Thanks, Joel. Then I'd go about my business. And and so would Joey, and then I'd be left <laughs> stewing over it. You'd be stewing in it, yeah, and we'd be moving on. And that's what, I, that's the eightness that I remember from you. And also seeing that with, I so looked up to y'all. So when we all played basketball at the same time during uh, middle school and high school, and so and college and college, um, but middle school and high school, when that I think that's when the gap between the three of us was kind of the, the smallest, and um, that's when you you would and you were the you're a better basketball player than Joey, and whoa, did you say that? It's a fact. It's a fact, and. Uh, and so then it came out there that you did meet her head to head with that, no matter who all was around, if y'all were, were doing two on two or five on five, you did hold your ground and and win. And Okay. So, so well, that's interesting. Let me add something and then you talk. Dad and I, uh, I don't know, sometime in the last two years, ended up in a situation where um, someone was arguing scripture with dad and about a, a very important thing to us. And, uh, I remember sitting there, it was somebody we didn't know. Well, we were 
you know, out of town. And I remember sitting there thinking, sir, you're going to lose. You you think he's just going to be all laid back about this? But the deeper you go, the more trouble you're in because he's got you on this. Is that where you're coming from? If I've got you, then I'm more aggressive. If I know I've got this. Absolutely. Yeah. You know that you know that you know. I I would think also because a nine in that three space of I'm really comfortable in this subject, whether it's basketball, whether it's scripture, now I'm in that three space and I've got this eight energy. Oh my gosh, the, just the comment that's coming at that person. That's true. But I think it's important to also note, I really don't think nines fake it till they make it. I think there are some numbers where until they get it, they'll fake it till they make it. I absolutely am not comfortable with that. So if I'm going to go toe to toe with you, I'm not, it's because I know that I know I've done the work or does that make sense? Yep. Otherwise you're just silent. Do people right. say that nines fake it? Do they make it? No, but threes have a tendency okay. or could. Say, uh, so in that three energy. Nines, that they don't fake it, they're not into it. Yeah. <laughs> or they know well enough that they don't know enough or can't do it just yet, so they're not going to until they feel confident. Or they don't care. Oh, right. It yeah. could be completely dismissive. Look at her. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. The, oh, yeah, there's that. That's the 70%. Right, exactly. No, we don't care. We've moved on to other things. All right, so absolutely, when you know you've got it, then you're... Being a nine with an eight wing, it's, I think some of your, the nine attributes are just a little bit exacerbated. So, for example, um, having that eight wing, I'm a little bit more aggressive. I am... I'm a little bit more confident. I'm more stubborn. So if a nine is already really stubborn, then it's even exacerbated, if that makes sense. Um, The one area where I think is less is I'm less passive aggressive. Um, And especially as you get healthier or you really work in your number with that, there's just, there's not a need for being as passive aggressive. I hear you that that's about being healthier in your number, but is that also about the fact that when inclined, when something really matters, you are just aggressive, and, and then you don't need to be passive about it. Correct, and less averse to conflict, right? Yeah, yeah. So then there's just, I can be less um, passive-aggressive. Yeah, I like that. But I was also, back to what Joel, you can think of times when I was definitely, I was pretty competitive, I still am. Um, I think that my eight comes out, or at least I can remember in stealthy ways. So there were... Um, several guys that I dated and I was reading a little excerpt about nines and basically how we'll just stay in it even if we're till they break up with you I remember very clearly at least three times convincing the person I was dating to break up with me yep and so I went about it in a roundabout way but I was very convincing in why they should break up with me so then I didn't have the internal conflict yep but at the same time I got it done as younger brother seven I remember relationships, it seemed to me, and I have no concept of time, you know, we talked about, especially when it's being reframed in the moment from childhood. Yeah, so let me just explain that. One of the things that we happen on a different podcast, I don't know, Jenny, if we've talked to you about it, is uh, Leanne, when she was on our podcast, said to Joel, like, do you remember holidays like they happened? When your family talks about years ago when something happened, or even the last family birthday party, do you remember it like they remember it, she said? Because I never do. 
and they discovered together that they reframe everything they don't like in real time. Right. So they don't even have the same memories we have. Correct. And so I, I remember, though, in doing a comparison, like if I am in a relationship in the past that I didn't like, it, then it was over then. Even if the other person didn't know it, it, it was it over was to you. Over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's the opposite with you where... Yeah, when it's done with me, you cut it off. With you, it's done. With me, all right, I'm done internally, but I have the wherewithal because I'm avoiding conflict to lay the groundwork for you to break up with me. So in a way, it's not sabotaging, but I'm just going to start planting seeds of why this isn't a good idea or why you should break up with me. And then really, in the end, I'll let you do it to me. But I have the internal satisfaction of, okay, I, you know, it was on my terms. Does that make sense? Well, I, I just want to really hear you talk about how important justice issues are for you. 891 is the justice triad in the sense that justice is real important to all of them, but my observation is that nines will risk a great deal of comfort and peace for something that involves injustice. I think that is very accurate, um, and I think that's part of why I'm so good at my job, if I can say that, is, um, I again, I'm working with these kids who are just really struggling through school for one reason or another, um, and so it's really my job to bridge the gap between the teachers, the parents, the coaches, anything of it is, to help everybody really understand, here is what this child is going through, whether that is... Um, ADHD or anxiety or depression or suicide ideation, any of those things. And it's hard to um, have empathy if you don't know what you're dealing with. So being able to have that conflict and that confrontation with coworkers in order to help these kids is really, it, it happens a lot, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. Right, right. That's so interesting to me because... Nines are perfectly suited to bridge. And that's got to be better for the kid in the long run, that you kind of manage everybody while you're helping the kid, right? So, I mean, I'd like to think so. And the eight wing really, really, really helps sustain that kind of just kind of constant conflict and maybe confrontation Mm -hmm. um, that happens and gives you the energy just to keep going a little bit. So, uh, you have a new way of talking about your nine with your eight wing. I want you to talk about it. Oh, man. So, when I hear nines being taught at Know Your Number or when I read about it, it's it's more difficult today than it was 15 years ago to resonate with, is this really me? And absolutely, I'm a nine through and through. However, that eight wing is, it's a big deal and it actually is a game changer, I think, in a lot of ways. So, I... I was really struggling with how to best um, describe it to people. Um, so in terms of I, I want to do lo- a lot of things. So I'm not really as content as perhaps most nines are. I have goals. I have agendas. I have things that I want to get done. But a lot of times it's not sustainable. So we'll go back to that energy piece, and I'll touch on that again in a little bit. But the best way I can describe it is it's like it's like Batman and Robin. And Batman... Batman is usually great, right? They're the go-getters. They've got a ton of energy. They're constantly out there fighting fighting the battle, right? 
And then you have Robin, who's right there with Batman, but it's not quite Batman. And it's like you're second in command, you're lieutenant to your captain. And I feel like that would be a great way to describe a nine with an eight wing. But you're the captain and the lieutenant. You're Batman and Robin inside of you. Is that is that true? Mm, I don't think so. I think I'm just Robin. I would love to be Batman and Robin. Okay. But here's the deal. If Batman got sick... Robin could step in and do just fine, but it's not sustainable. Got it. I got it now. I've got it now. So hopefully Batman doesn't get sick a lot. Going back to that energy piece, and here's where it is a big deal. And I don't think anybody but nines, fives perhaps understand it to a degree, but nobody else but nines really understand this energy depletion thing. Um, So that's like, that's like constantly having a leash. Um, around you as far as energy and with that eight wing and having goals and things that you want to attain, you're right there and you're kind of reaching out for it. And then that leash just yanks you back. So no matter what you've done, if you started on something, your energy level is done, you're done. And you kind of just get yanked back, if that makes sense. It does. And I, I envy it a little bit. You know, nines and twos are often confused and you and I um, are so aware of how different we are because we have a long relationship. I almost wish I had a leash, though, because I go until there's nothing left. And then I'm done, but I'm not just done. I'm done, and my feelings are hurt, and I feel taken for granted, and I'm resentful, and I'm mad at myself, and it's, um, I don't know. It's not all or nothing, but it's close. I go till there's nothing, and I, as a result... I actually think you have some intuitive clues for self-care that I'm lacking. I don't know that I'm close to the bottom until I hit bottom. Bottom. So, I, yes, I can see that. And I perhaps it's a gift in some ways because I think, at least for me, I'm just stubborn enough to where if it comes down to it, I'm going to take the time off that I need because I just can't go anymore. Right. I just can't do it. Um, and it feels weak at times. I'll be honest. It does feel weak. Like if only I could just do this or get two more things done. Um, and it's kind of like hitting a brick wall in that sense. Um, but you know what? And I've thought on this, I don't think I have a single close friend or coworker that I've perhaps, or an idea or a boss that I've kind of merged with that is withdrawing. I don't have a single withdrawing really close friend. Wow. So I think I intuitively gather energy from people who have it to give, if that makes sense. Sure it does. So who do you gravitate towards? I absolutely gravitate towards aggressive numbers. So that would be three, sevens, and eights, hands down. Most of my friends are those numbers. Um, If I do merge with people, which that's another thing we should talk about. We should. As far as nines with eight wings, um, because it's, I'm very selective. Um, and I do feel like, especially in adulthood, I'm in control of who I decide to merge with. And it's much more rare. Merging merging. is more rare. Yep. I've noticed that in you. Um, and those who I do merge with, um, three, sevens, and eights. Yeah. I think that's true for dad, too. Yeah. It's interesting. Dad came home yesterday and told me that they at a staff meeting, one of the questions was, um, did you make any goals for 2019? Like, is there anything you're really going to work toward? And he shared with me that he had shared with them that he was going to be much more intentional. That, like you, for the two of you, it's really 
quite interesting because your jobs have just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, much bigger than you thought they were going to be when you took them. And he said that he shared that he's just done far more merging than he would want to do, and it's because there's just so much. So his goal was, I'm going to be much more careful and much more intentional about who I merge with and what and how. And then as he and I had a conversation about, well, who are you merging with? It was either authority or aggressive numbers. And, um, you know, that cuts me out right there. Because I'm not in a position of authority and I'm not an aggressive number. And so I, I think he was aware that, um, that, that he needed to be more intentional about choosing us over an unending amount of work. And the reason I'm sharing that is because I think people who learn the Enneagram think, you know, I'm young and I'm going to get to a place where this is not an issue anymore. And we're 71 and 68, and it comes up about every three years, and we have to reset and reset and reset over and over. And I, I just want that to be encouraging for people. There's not a fix here. Would you say that when you say choosing us, that is a doing action for a nine. That's right. One of the things that was said recently for that withdrawing stance is the vulnerability in doing. Uh-huh. Well, here's the conflict, and I wonder, the vulnerability in doing is, are people going to expect more of you now? Are, right? So the more you do, the more you accomplish, the more you accomplish, the more people give you or expect from you. And then nines kind of lose that secret control that they have because I absolutely have boundaries, probably too many, right? And you're pushing on my boundaries. And so I would think as a nine, the conflict that's going to be caused to refocusing to this and choosing y'all, that that would be the vulnerability. But then you as a nine were so quick of, it is not that. Now it's, there's these expectations and losing the control. I think that's just a, a perfect example of you're not in the mo- the motivation thing. It's well, not you can't you don't know the other person's shoes. True. And it goes back to energy level again, right? So I have whether conscious or subconscious worked it out to where I know my energy levels, I know what I can do and what I can't do. And so if you put more on my plate because I'm constantly thinking, right? Thinking right. and trying to plan and do all that of what I can do, so then it throws my game off, right? And now I'm flustered and I've got something else to do when I just think I've made it to where I can get through what I thought I could get through. So I want you to talk about constantly thinking because when I was raising you, I thought you were constantly being. So this whole adult conversation that you and I have begun to have about the fact that you think so much, I'm not sure that's the perception that people have about nines. You know, I can see how that would be taken as a perceived slight, and perhaps I would have been offended in the past. But truth is, I like to just be, and I like things simple. And so I think the nine's tendency to just want to be and to have things simplified and simple um, translates sometimes to just being the least complicated number. Does that make sense? I've never thought you were not a complex thinker. I have found nines to be the least complex number to have a conversation with. 
Like you don't. There's not a hidden agenda. There's there's not. not, In my experience, there is no hidden agenda. And when people who are not nines say to me, I don't think that's true. I don't believe that. I don't think they are that honest. Then I'm not sure they're dealing with a nine. I would agree with that. I really don't think there's hidden agendas. And really and truly what you see is what you get for the most part. I think that too. And and, And that's a lovely way of being in the world, but it's not simple. No, and it's very complicated for the nine themselves. But it's not relationally complex. Correct. And that maybe is what I should be saying. Um, going back to your question was, so you perceive nines, especially me as a kid, as really just being. Uh-huh. I didn't look at you when you were just being and consider that you were thinking. For myself. I don't know if it's a symbol for other nines, but I can definitely turn it off. I thinking. can turn off thinking. Oh, man. So, Dad can too. And I'm, and it's obvious that Billy can. And I tell you, I don't, this doesn't need to be about me as a two, but I can't turn off thinking and I can't turn off feeling. And it's... Um, it's like there's a pause button for nines. You can pause it and it's probably that just repletion time where you're storing up your energy again because remember it's all in one silo so even just thinking energy thinking doing feeling all of that is going to suck some energy so having that pause button is great because I can um, when I do I can just be and I can be in whatever I'm doing so if it's reading a book or if it's you know playing with the kids or whatever that is but um, I can turn it back on and it's a it then it's just a constant conversation in my head and when I say constant, I mean it's all the time unless I choose to turn it off. Man, I would give anything if I could do that. But here's where being healthy in your number really comes into play is how often you turn it off, right? Oh, because you can just turn it off for days. So I think that's what you refer to as nines of sleep. There you go. So if you turn it off and choose to keep it off, then... Well, and that's, you talk about inertia and nines. Yeah. So when it's off... It's off. It's, it's off. Staying off. Right. Yeah. yeah. So where growth is, is um, when you turn it on and how long you keep it on or mm-hmm. how often you pause. Or... So going back to when I was talking earlier about kind of being resentful about every other number getting to be there themselves and yeah. naturally and then not me because of life circumstances, right? And then I had mentioned that that was part of the growth and part of what made me a healthier nine. And that's still absolutely true. Um. So it is, it's like a practice in itself. So adult nines, now here's where gender and role and what you do and all that really come into play because I think if I were married to an aggressive number, yep, um, I would not look the same. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So right now, the way it is for me is I'm the mom and gender roles are, they're real. So they being the mom and being the really kind of the runner of the household as far as planning and what we're going to do and does everybody have what they need and that's a constant job right and it's just a gender thing I adore my husband and he is amazing and he could run a spreadsheet for our budget better than probably anyone right and if I leave town for the weekend and he's responsible for the day in day out mm-hmm. meals laundry baths that kind of stuff it doesn't really happen so I think he's a six. 
So he doesn't trust his way of doing things. He doesn't trust himself to do things that he doesn't normally do or that aren't part of his normal routine. So if I were married to a, a more aggressive number, or perhaps a seven or an eight or even a three, or, or these doers, right, I think my role would look different. It would. So in the marriage situation that I'm in and in the job that I'm in, all of these major areas of my life require me to really turn on that eight and to really be on the ball, which means a lot more thinking about thinking, right? And a lot more how I'm going to plan out. And it doesn't come naturally. So it takes me double time for what may come naturally for you guys takes me twice as long, right? How am I going to organize my day? How am I going to plan? What am I going to get done, right? Nines have a hard time prioritizing. So if you look back at that energy and everything's in the same thing and you're even exerting energy, putting together a plan, so do you see how everything just takes energy? So I, that's so helpful. And I realize this is an impossible question. But since you're my child, I'm going to ask it anyway. Where would you be without the Enneagram? I, that's an interesting question because I'd have to separate it from our family and how we grew up. Um, and the type of parents we had and the knowledge that you have to go with it. Right. Yeah. So I think us as kids, we're very fortunate to have grown up with, um, authoritative parents and in a household like we did, because it gives us a fighting chance. Right. So longitudinal studies have definitely shown that authoritative parents, um, just create healthier kids and more well-rounded kids. Right. You're so, welcome. Both of you. You're welcome. Speaking for dad it. and me, you're welcome. Joel, you look a little skeptical. It's true. Um, so then you look at the Enneagram to go along with that, and it, it's we already had a fighting chance in the world, and now we just have a better way of seeing. Um, and I'll go back to I have a lot more grace for others and a lot more grace for myself, which I don't think I would have had. Yeah, I, I'm all about the Enneagram and grace. I feel like I'm in this place at the beginning of every year. It's like... Man, I'm thankful for this grace to just be me and let you be you and you be you. And Right. Yeah. You said a minute ago, you talked about how hard it is and the energy that it takes. So for other nines, especially female nines in similar situations that you're in, who are listening and saying, yes, what are some practical applications of things to, to take care of yourself? How do you... What are the answers to that problem of I have to give this much energy and it's all very calculated and hard to do? Even if you don't have an eight wing. So that's a really good question. Even more so if you don't have an eight wing. Exactly. Even a nine with an eight wing has, I have a very hard time with self-care. So what that looks like, um, I I don't know if it's very different. I'd have to ask another perhaps female nine, maybe a nine with a one wing, and we'd have to compare, but it's still difficult. So um, once the needs of the people most important to you, which is, you know, for me, it's my three kids and my husband, um, there's a little room or time or energy to do that. So, for example, uh, you know, it's crazy. I have booked 11 months in advance summer camp for my three kids and I've got swim lessons scheduled and camps registered for and I did all that and I very unnine unnine unusual for you right but it's also putting it's working on you're doing right and it's also for somebody else so those closest to me so um there's go ahead 
well, I would just say that the, it, I've been surprised at you in graduate school with a job that just gets bigger and bigger, with kids who get older and have more stuff to do, because it is playing out like it does with dad, and that is the more you have to do, the more you do. And the more structure you have, the more you function within that structure. And I think uh, there's something to be said for nine's self-imposing structure on themselves, which I think will actually in the long run mean that you'll have more energy, not less. That's absolutely the case. So the more you do, the more you can do. And to a certain degree, yes, the more energy you have, and it's that inertia thing. Um, so I, I want to talk about that inertia thing to make sure everybody, everybody knows what you and I are talking about, which is a body in motion stays in motion. So the more you have to do, the more you do. And Joel brought up a minute ago, a body at rest stays at rest. And so when you rest, you rest. And it's fascinating to me that you have taught all of that in this podcast by talking about the switch. I didn't know you had a switch. I don't have a switch. If I if I'd known you have a switch, I would have parented you by saying, girl, you need to turn on that switch. But you did. Did I? Absolutely. So because you are not doing repressed. And right. so every structure and routine and way of doing life that we did in the household is what set me up to, I, I really believe, be a successful adult and to have the skills needed to at least have that modeled for me so I know what it looks yeah. like. So the three of us have been talking, and I think this might wrap up and summarize what we've kind of been dancing around as far as when nines apply themselves and when they don't and all of that. And I think if a nine has someone that they're close to that they can defer to, right, then they will. They'll defer I will defer any day of the week. So growing up, I could defer to both you and dad. I could defer to Joey. I could just defer all the time, even to Joel and making decisions. Like, yeah, cool, I'll do that. Even to Joel. Well, you were younger than me, so I'm talking growing (laughs) up, right? So I can defer because it got done, and I could just kind of go along for the ride. When you can't defer and go along for the ride, then that's where the growth in being a nine comes from and being a more a a healthier nine because you can no longer just rely on someone else. You've got to do it yourself. So Corey is incredible. He is, you know, he is kind of, I guess you want to say the the breadwinner for our family and he takes care of a lot of things and he's the social piece. He absolutely is. So the reason I have friends and we have connections and family and all of that is, is really because of him. Right. Right. And on the flip side, and I can defer to him for that and he can lead the way. Now for me, there's not really somebody who's going to remind me, Jenny, the kids need a bath. They need dinner. We need laundry. So it's me, and I can't defer. Does that make sense? Yes, perfect sense. And so we could make a whole case maybe in the future when we talk again about deferring. Versus merging. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Exactly. And it is not, and I wonder again if there's differences with more social nines and less social nines, but um, I think a combination of being less social and having an eight wing means I merge, not defer, but merge with a lot fewer people. But if I feel, because we have gut instincts as well, right? And if I feel like you are capable and I can defer to you, then I will easily, any day. And that's an energy saver. And that's where Batman and Robin come back, right? There you go, So I can be Robin. I like Batman and Robin a lot. There are like 10 more things I want to talk about. For a while there, I was lost, and we were just in the car on our way somewhere or something. Yeah. So we'll 
make a little list of the things we didn't get to talk about and we'll do it again. Thank Sounds you. Great. I love you. Love you too.